I'm Morgan Dennis, and this is Storied. It might be too noisy to record this, but I feel like talking, so I'm going to try it out. I'm on my way to get Max from school. I'm in our Honda, which actually needs uh, a service, but the Subaru also is getting serviced right now, so both our cars are fairly old. They're both 2010 cars. I like having older cars just because it's like just being able to not worry about payments for them and and we have a really good or had a really good mechanic in our area and I referred people to him and he was originally referred to me. Anyway, my neighbor who originally referred him to me, Walter is the mechanic. My neighbor Ben said that, hey, just realized that Walter left his business and he sold his house and they moved to Florida. So that sort of sucked. And this morning when I got into the Subaru, it had this really weird power steering type sound to it. And we'd actually had the power steering dealt with from Walter. I know it's a lot of information, but it's part of my day. And so this morning, the power steering something was wrong with it, it was making a loud sound, and so I thought, great, Walter is gone, and normally I would just take the car back to him, and he would address it, so I took it to the new guy, Brian, and I think it's okay, he said it'll be a couple hundred bucks, it seems separate from the other power steering issue, so I'm going to go pick it up a little bit later, but I was kind of surprised today at how, how sort of stressed that made me feel about the car and getting in, and I think I mentioned in my second episode of this podcast, the episode where I was at the cottage, where I'd mentioned how it's been a bit of a struggle for us. I mean, we're we're very privileged. We're very lucky to have this property. And we also live in Toronto, which is a great place to own real estate. But I kind of feel like we're we're just just sort of we have a Toronto home and a Muskoka home kind of just by the skin of our teeth. I mean, we've got these great places and they're great investments. But anytime some other cost is thrown our way, some surprise thing, that just the normal things of life, it's just a little bit hard for us to manage. We're actually going to probably start renting our cottage a little bit. We didn't want to. I mean, you go grow really attached to these places and, and you know we did this big renovation and it's been great but I think it makes a lot of sense to to rent it out. I've noticed when I am editing these podcasts and originally I really didn't want to. I mean I wanted to kind of provide this this raw dialogue and what I find is when I review them later I end up chopping them up. I chop out my ums and my you knows. I say um and you know a lot. There might not be as many in some of my episodes, but it's because I've, I've gone in and, and chopped them out. So I guess it's one of those things that you just get used to. You know, it, oh my God. You know, I said it again. I'm, I've mentioned before, I'm a, I'm a professor. I, I teach and... I've really been out of that game for 
two years with the pandemic and I think it's really impacted me I mean it, I think it's it's made me more self-conscious about what I say it's made me less less natural I guess in in speaking I, it must be uh, I've still been teaching all this time but I've been teaching online remotely and so I haven't been having that that you know being in front of people and and getting used to that all the time and and that's not been what I've been doing so when I started this podcast I made a bunch of episodes and I got them ready to go and and, and I put a bunch out there you're supposed to do that and I've been kind of out of sync as I've been going when I've been the episodes that I'm uploading have been a bit earlier from when I've actually been uploading them but I think I'm actually coming getting a bit caught up uh, you know having said that actually I'm recording this and I probably won't put it up for a few weeks because there's something else I want to put up next week but I'd like to get to a point where I'm just working on these and, and releasing them as I go I tend to be going for once a week right now I think that works it's May 25th right now and I start my sabbatical well I, su- I started in September but I'm off on vacation as of end of June so I'm really I've got that really kind of wrapping things up feel to my life right now at work I usually start feeling like that a few weeks or a month before I'm off and, and I guess that's what's happening now but I feel like it's an amped up version because I'm going on the sabbatical it feels good it feels like there's a lot left to do at work but I have that feeling of being that feeling when you're done but not done but mentally you're done and I, I have that done feeling right now and I've just kind of got to get through the next chunk of time and I don't know it feels like in some ways I want to I want to do everything I want to start really working on my sabbatical projects before the sabbatical uh, almost to have time to myself during the sabbatical to, to not have to worry about things but on the other hand I also want to really work hard during the sabbatical but I've been I've been consistently writing and working on a story right now I'm close I'm probably I mean I actually thought I would be I would be finished it in April but but then I got caught up with some work stuff and actually the podcast it's been great but it has been consuming some of my thought and and pulling me away from it which is fine but I'm I'm on the last stretch uh, of the short story so I'd like to get that done before the sabbatical starts work through the summer but have a bit of a chill summer and then and then really dig in to the stories after that point I've still got a few uh, earlier ideas that I haven't finished yet I've roughed out some stories so I just like the ones that I'm working on it I think I'll be able to get back to these other stories fairly fairly easily and then work on a few others Uh, I've got to also apply for a few grants I've got one in June middle of June and then another one in the fall I've got to remember to do that because I will be getting a bit of a pay cut with the sabbatical so it'd be nice to have a bit more cash flow coming in to supplement that I've mentioned before the traffic in Toronto is just so brutal. I'm in Bloor West Village right now. It's so congested in here. We actually wanted to buy in here. It was 2014. And we wanted to be in Bloor West, but we were priced out of it. And so we ended up in Roncesvalles, which is really nice. Actually, I think Roncesvalles is doing a bit better now in terms of real estate than this area. But it's just so tight in here. The... 
it's, it's pedestrians absolutely everywhere, and it's garbage day today, which is just makes it absolutely unbearable. You turn up a street, and there's a garbage truck, and people are trying to get around it. Oh, there was a huge windstorm as well on the weekend. I think it killed like uh, nine people in Ontario. This is name for it. It's like this. I was reading about it today. It's just like this wall of wind that comes through and just destroys things. I've never seen so many trees down in Toronto. There were two big trees down in an area. Uh, the street beside us, the tree was down like for days. They just actually removed it today, I guess, because garbage day. But a bunch of trees came down. The people that died, I think mostly it was trees falling on them or falling on their houses. And it was just, I was actually out in the East End seeing my sister-in-law and her kid were out for lunch and we knew it was coming we all got alerts on our phones and and then and then about half an hour later we were just having lunch and and this major windstorm came through my wife wasn't feeling good that day she 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 stayed at home and then she texted me and she was like "Are are you guys okay there because i guess the house was just shaking as this as this wind came through it was super intense all right, I'm coming up on Max's school now, so I think I'm going to sign off, and I'll catch this again later. Hey, how are you? Good. Good. I just I was waiting a bit, then I just saw our car uh, over there waiting. Uh, oh, yeah? Well, not waiting, just uh, It's the next day, and I'm just between meetings. Had the Subaru fixed up yesterday, and everything went all right. I went and talked to the new mechanic when I picked it up, and... Yeah, it was a reasonable price, and he seems okay, so so that made me feel a lot better about that. The I looked up that windstorm I'd mentioned yesterday, and it's called a derecho. It's actually pronounced derecho. It's a uh, it's like I'd mentioned, it's a front of wind, and it's like hurricane force wind apparently, and it just causes mass destruction as it as this this, this line of wind crosses through something. Apparently we haven't had one since the 1990s here, but uh, that's what did all the damage. And I saw today I was out for a run at lunch and saw that there was a lot of uh, trees still down in High Park nearby. And even on the way there, there was another one down. I'm going to throw some pictures in my Instagram about that. The meeting I just had was actually an interview with a colleague. I was interviewing a colleague of mine along with uh, associate dean and the dean of my faculty. And it's for my replacement position, for my coordinator position. And it's always a bit awkward doing that. Uh, I mean, he's a colleague of mine, and uh, but he did really well. I was really, really proud of him, actually. He's uh, very succinct, which is not always easy to do in an interview. I was impressed, too, at how together he was, like I was mentioning yesterday with COVID. It was a very performative thing, obviously, to do an interview. And, and even interviewing him, I found, was was performative. And I've actually been wanting to talk about COVID and the pandemic for this podcast, and I suppose I'll do it now. I don't want to spend too much time on it just generally in the podcast, but I thought it's something that that should be addressed. I mean, it has had a very uh, significant impact on my life. And even though I haven't got COVID, touch wood, but just obviously the way it's affected everybody else. And it's worth mentioning just in terms of it's it's really historical value in my life and, and, and everybody's life. But I'd mentioned before just how I had been feeling throughout this. I've been fortunate enough to have a, a job that's allowed me to really be home and 
for the duration. I mean, I haven't been at my workplace in two and a half years or, or so almost at this point. So it's been a long time. I've obviously been able to keep engaging with my work and I have students and I have meetings with, with faculty like the one today and, and others. But I found over the course of these two years, as I'm sure many have, that you that you start having these kind of social issues just in terms of being able to formulate your thoughts and and be out there in the world. And I think that that is something that I've certainly experienced. I mentioned it yesterday, being able to participate in the world and have these social situations that might have been normal or automatic before, but are, are, are kind of rusty and, and, and problematic. I'm hesitant in a way to talk about the pandemic because it's so talked about and it's so, people are so done with it, even though obviously the pandemic isn't done with us. But I I was, for instance, my wife and I were watching the the show Couples Therapy. It's that it's that show where, where couples are actually having therapy and, and it follows several couples throughout the duration of the series. It's a, it's an interesting show if you haven't seen it, but when it was the show started, I suppose before the pandemic, and then when the pandemic hit, it becomes a, a natural narrative within the show. And I just remember watching that part with my wife. It was a couple months ago, and just you know that that moment of being unsure of what's happening and people wearing masks, and and actually the the show itself takes place in New York, which was really hard hit at the time. But just kind of living through that again in the show, and it was natural, I had to be there. But it was just like, ugh, I was just so done with this. It was it was hard to watch that. And I think art in general throughout this process has been interesting because some artists, whether in broadcast shows or fiction, have taken the pandemic head on and addressed it, and others done it more subtly. I remember when the pandemic started, so March 2020, I was really curious to see how the how fiction was going to really play with that, and The New Yorker specifically, which I read quite a bit. And I remember those stories that were coming out in The New Yorker in March and April, May of 2020, were they were hesitant to actually commit to to dealing with the pandemic or dealing with, with COVID. Presumably some of these stories had been, uh, you can only produce them so quickly and, and have them as as part of that of that memory. But I would think that The New Yorker, if, if it was just so interested in capturing that moment, might have gone for for stories that addressed it head on, which didn't happen. I remember those stories at the time were pretty nebulous. They were they were addressing fear and they were addressing uncertainty and the narratives were were just they were very vague. And in some cases I think they were a bit apocalyptic. But even that felt a bit too much at the time. Actually, I think a good example of a subtle pandemic novel would be The Morning Star by Carl Ove Knosgaard. I read it recently, and it was really good. It came out last fall, and while it doesn't deal explicitly with the pandemic, he was writing it during that time. Uh, I read a, or listened to an interesting interview with him a little while ago, and he was talking about writing during the pandemic and, of course, being a time where something threatening and unknown was happening outside something that might affect us and we didn't know how, right? And this sense really pervades the novel without going into anything related to viruses. It's a, it's, it's a great novel. It, it deals with 
uh, varying perspectives from a bunch of characters on the same thing, a star that emerges uh, just one day, and it's all their experiences. And it's very kind of foreboding, and the sense really pervades the novel. I remember him also saying in the interview that being in the pandemic, right, it was something that we just couldn't get away from. He couldn't call somebody and say, you know, this is happening here because that experience was being replicated by whoever he was calling, right? So he just couldn't get away from it. So I find myself now when I am integrating back into the world and I'm meeting friends and making plans that it's it's hard for me in a way to want to do that. There was so much time spent with my family during the pandemic. We were all locked down as everybody else was. But I feel like especially knowing how others Everybody managed things differently, but but we always were quite cautious. We were always in masks, and we were always at home, and 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 I think it worked. It certainly worked for my wife and my son. Actually, my son's ten, and and they're more uh, introverted, I guess. And uh, I'm a kind of a mix between introverted and extroverted. But for them, it re- it really worked. They liked it. My wife really enjoyed being being able to to not have even the social obligations that nor- normally come with. With, with social life and friends and she liked being locked down and, and my son is is uh, is okay with that as well and, and while I I didn't react as strongly as some of my friends I did feel this kind of sense of, of feeling a bit cooped up <laughs> understandably but uh, in terms of my own mental health even uh, I, I needed to get out I remember even in the most severe lockdowns when when nobody was going anywhere and the roads were actually really really quiet a few times I would go out for hikes, uh, drive out about an hour out of the city and, and go for a hike, and it, it felt good to do that. But it also was hard for me because, and I remember this too when we were doing our renovation on the, on our cottage, that going out and being out there and really distancing myself from my family at that point, who I felt needed me, and, and they did, but but I'm sure they would have been fine without me. It was sometimes hard to pry myself away. And I think it just comes from that overall sense of anxiety and uncertainty that everybody felt at the time. It's funny how we adapt. Throughout the pandemic, I started texting with two close colleagues at work, group text, and we've sustained that throughout the whole time and we still are, are texting. And it's it's interesting because it's really kind of satisfied, I guess, that social itch, for me at least, having that contact. And, and I think it's made it easier in some ways not to really get back to social life outside of that virtual realm. But I do recognize that it is something being actually with people is something that I need to do. And I'm doing that more and that's good. But but for a long time, I feel like the texts, while they were helpful, were perhaps kind of keeping me outside of, of really uh, integrating into society again. And with my son again, I feel like he's done well with it. But a few months ago, I was dropping him off at school and he was fiddling with his mask to put it on. And I remember just being struck by the sadness for him that he's experienced this for the last two years of his childhood and and how significant that is for him. And while he's okay with it, he has suffered losses just socially. He's been away from friends. He hasn't had these sleepovers. He hasn't had this time with people. You know, we do see, he does see friends uh, he saw them a lot then, but it was outside. He has a cousin around his age who 
he saw routinely outside, but but not as much, and, and not not like he would have had. And just watching him put the mask on, I remember just feeling like, oh, this has been your reality, and, and you're just going along with it, and you're living your life. But like, what a shame that is, really. And comparing it to my experience at his age, it was just really nothing was like it. But I also do, again, have to say how fortunate I feel about the whole thing, really. We've been healthy. We haven't been impacted like that. Really, our close circle of, of family, my in-laws, have not somehow gotten COVID, uh, whereas a lot of my friends uh, have at this point. A lot of people I know have had it. And so I've got to hop on to my other meeting shortly. We're we're getting ready to go to our cottage tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to go tomorrow after work and after dinner. And we've been it's been about three weeks since we've been there, and I'm just looking forward to Getting to that lake and looking at the lake and just taking a breath is, is going to be really nice. I think I, I will actually produce this podcast on Monday and hold off on, on the other thing I was going to do. The other one that I want to release is actually something I wrote leading up to launching this podcast. And it's more scripted. It's a, it's a piece of short nonfiction about my grandfather, actually. And uh, I thought it was kind of appropriate to put that out after after the episode about Ukraine and and mentioning him there. And so I thought it would be a, a nice one. So it's a little bit different, but that'll be coming up. So I've been following the analytics to this podcast. And while I don't have a ton of listeners yet, I know that you're out there. I see you downloading the episodes when they come out. And it's great. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I hope you're healthy and just doing the best you can. The world has been a bit of a difficult place lately. So with that, I hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you later.